Mary is San Francisco's most successful supplier of romance and glamour. She knows all the tricks. She knows all the rules. But then she breaks the most important rule of all. She falls in love with the groom. This is Ryan. And this is Ashley. And this is Ruining Our Childhood, a weekly podcast where we remove our childhood goggles and put on our adult bifocals to rewatch and review our favorite movies from the past. That is what we are doing here. Yes. And I feel like we've been away for a while because mm-hmm. we had the plague. We had the plague and then we took a week off for Christmas. So we've only done like one of these in the last month, I feel Ugh. like. Who are we? Yeah. We're going to stop slacking. We're going to be back with new episodes. Yes, and today starts off our celebration of Valentine's Day. Yes. And we're doing some amazing romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to give away the ones that we're going to pick, but I was thinking about it, and I was proud of us that there's no overlap in stars. Oh, okay. So I was very proud of that. There's no reoccurrence in the male lead or the female lead in any of the movies we picked that's very true yeah i mean there i will say there are definitely actors and actresses that are known for being in this genre so Mm -hmm. and one of the movies has a couple big ones so today's movie is a 2001 classic the wedding planner i almost said the wedding singer (laughs) (laughs) when i was looking up the movie to find facts about it I almost typed in The Wedding Singer, too. No, The Wedding Planner, starring Jennifer Lopez and Matthew McConaughey. Correct. And this movie is a movie that I enjoyed quite a bit. 2001, I was 15, and Jennifer Lopez was kind of an idol of mine. Mm -hmm. I mean, she still is. She's freaking amazing. But at the time, there wasn't a lot of Hispanic actresses to idolize. yeah. Especially ones that got lead roles. What's amazing is this movie is will be 19 years old, and they were both pretty big movie stars at the time, mm-hmm. and somehow they're both now more famous than what they were 19 years ago. That's true. And that's in no way were they schlubs when this movie came out. Like, Jennifer yeah. Lopez was definitely a huge singing star and an actress. McConaughey wasn't i don't feel like a true leading man at the time i think he was still in this space of where he was doing romantic comedies and Mm kind of just doing what he could get and then now i think it's like we see him as this really good actor yeah oscar nominated oscar winner oscar winner i forgot (laughs) and he's a true a-list celebrity yes yeah and I, I still feel like when this movie came out, he was still kind of on the rise. Yeah. He'd been acting a lot, but he no. was still a little bit, a little new. And it's actually, honestly, it's weird. It's almost hard for me to think of a time where Jennifer Lopez was not a humongous name. Yeah. I mean, she definitely had her lows Yeah, in her career, but I, I definitely think that she's been pretty consistent. And this movie, I remember in particular... Uh, knowing that this when this movie came out she also had a hit album and they said like she was like the first person to have a number one movie and a number one album at the same time mm-hmm. i don't know if that was the first if she was the first one to i do think that. she was this first female because i want to say um they mentioned when eddie murphy was hosting saturday night live he was the first person to have the number one album show and movie in the same okay. week so she was probably the first female that would make sense yeah which it's weird to think Eddie Murphy had a number one album. But comedy album. Comedy, and he also did have a, you know, the, the song. The party all the time. Party all the time. There we go. I couldn't <laughs> uh, think of it. Um, hit us with some 2001 facts. This movie was released on January 26 of 2001. It had a budget of $35 million, and it made $95 million. I feel like this was a time period where... Every rom-com that came out was pretty successful, especially if it had a Reese Witherspoon or a Jennifer Lopez or yeah. Julia Roberts. It was always successful. Um, interesting facts about 2001, and I'm only giving this because we live in the city, 
but in 2001, Phoenix was the only city ever to complete a sports equinox, which is when all four major sports teams from a city play on the same day. Oh, interesting. Which, interesting enough, the Cardinals, Coyotes, and Suns all lost, and the Diamondbacks played the last possible game, which was winning Game 7 of the World Series. So, that's neat. Yeah. Uh, just because um, it never at- lines up. And it's rarely that they all four play a game, sports-wise. That's true. So, popular TV shows for 2001 were Friends, CSI, ER, and Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, the number one song for the week the movie came out was Destiny's Child, uh, Independent Women. Yeah. Which is crazy because the song came out November 18th of 2000, and it was still the number one song going through February. You think about how 20 years later almost we're such an instant society that things come and go so quickly now but there was a time where movies would be number one for months on men's yeah yeah what's insane though also should be noted beyonce still a top act oh yeah 20 years later i remember 2001 was the year that their second album came out was it second or third it was Survivor came out because mm-hmm. I was in California visiting my aunt and I was so excited I could buy it because Destiny Child was my jam. <laughs> Your jam. Yes. Uh, a couple other popular songs were Outcast, Miss Jackson, and Christina Aguilera, Little Kim, Maya, and Pink, Lady Marmalade. Yes. Uh, popular movies were Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and Shrek. Nice. Good year. I think I saw all... Well, I didn't see Harry Potter in theaters because I was one of those people that was like, I'm not watching that nerdy stuff. Not until he started dating me. And then, bam! Nerd! Yeah. Now he's a bigger Harry Potter fan than I am. That is a fact. I'm, I'm not disputing it. Yeah. I actually just said it. <laughs> <laughs> what is your earliest memories of this movie? You kind of talked about him a little bit earlier. So... I wanted to see this movie, and I will tell you why. Jennifer Lopez. She was in one of my favorite movies of all time, Selena. Uh, Can you say it correctly for me? Salinas. Thank you. I love that movie so much. Mm -hmm. And in my tiny little town in Montana, I don't know why, but we always watch Selena. I mean, I guess I do know why, but we always watch Selena in my Spanish class. So Mm -hmm. I at least watch that movie twice a year. Like, sometimes just for my personal, because I had it, and then we'd always watch in a Spanish class. That and Mask of Zorro. I mean, whatever. <laughs> like, Antonio Banderas is Hispanic? No, it's funny. It's not, <laughs> not until I got into high school and we got this, uh, a new Spanish teacher who was super white, but she was really cultured and she went to Mexico and studied. She actually made us watch movies that were filmed in Mexico that were in Spanish with subtitles. The way it should be. Yes, but, you Uh, know, I grew up in a very white small town, so. I think what we did in my French class was we watched Beauty and the Beast, the, you know, 1991 Disney, and it was just dubbed in French. Oh, okay. (laughs) With subtitles. But, so, I was a huge fan of Jennifer Lopez. I think when this movie came out, and then, obviously, she had a bunch of hits. Yeah. And she was... I idolized her because she was beautiful and she was she was brown. Uh, she and is also should be noted. Big ups to my brother. Uh, I won't give out his name, but he's this is another actress that he has proclaimed not that good looking. Right up there with Charlize Theron. He denies that. He denies it now because <laughs> every time we see him, we're just like not that good looking, eh? All right. Good for you, Danny. I mean, everybody has their type. I, I get that. But at least admit when somebody is attractive. Yeah. You you can not have a, uh, like a celebrity crush on someone, but you can admit someone's attractive. But he would, he never thought Jennifer Lopez was good looking when we were growing up. I don't know. Maybe he thought she was overrated. I think he uh, might have hit his head a lot as a child or something. Uh, More specific. And also... She's just as good looking now as she was 20 years yeah, ago. She is. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, f- for me, 
you introduced me to this movie. I remember when it came out. I remember watching previews for it and stuff, but it wasn't something that was on my radar. I always was a bit of a closeted rom-com fan. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, you can't admit it to your buddies that you enjoy a good rom-com because you're like, God, we got to go watch that Bruce Willis movie. Uh, But I enjoyed, like, I remember me and my brother going to see Sweet Home Alabama in theaters and just thinking it was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I do imagine a female-led movie, and you can still enjoy it as a man. Yeah, I sadly, I feel like I don't know why, but they don't make as many as they used to. I think honestly, it's because we've become a little. I I probably said this before that we've come a little jaded, and a lot of these movies that are romantic comedies aren't based in reality. No, the you know premises are ridiculous. Yeah, the lying to each other but then at the end they're like it's all worth it it's a little ridiculous and sometimes love is not even that complicated Mm -hmm. you know but i think they're still fun to watch and enjoy a majority of them i just felt like when i was growing up every year we would get three or four that would it seemed like every year julia roberts had one cameron diaz had one and there was a rotation of guys that would play the leading role but then also Adam Sandler would make movies that kind of teetered on a rom-com. Yeah. And I, I just don't feel like we get those anymore. No. and the, I'm sure they still come out occasionally, well, but I mean, I, like I said, I felt like we were getting one every year around Valentine's Day. We'd get one, and it's just not like we used to. I feel like there's the ones that I enjoy, which were on Netflix before it kind of became like they had higher quality movies, but just mm-hmm. ones that... Not so much that Netflix made, but ones that would just show up that were, like, more independent. Or Mm -hmm. they were basically Hallmark movies, but they weren't made by Hallmark. I was just going to say that. Where it's very, very predictable, and Mm -hmm. but it's still kind of fun to watch. Especially if it's two actors that you actually enjoy. Yeah. Then it doesn't really matter what the premise is or that it's ridiculous. But now I feel like the last couple of years they've had a couple good ones. Like that one with um, Zoe Dutch uh, set it up. Yeah. And... I guess if you want to count, like, To All the Boys I Loved Before yeah, was a decent one. That's true. I just, um, maybe it's just they're not getting released into theaters. And they're not starring the normal people I remember, because they're also all in their 50s. Oh, just about. So, <laughs> maybe, uh, like you said, Zoe Dutch, maybe she'll start appearing in ones that get released in theaters. Where, you know, her leading man is still Richard Gere. <laughs> I think we're starting to get away from that, finally. Yeah. We're... Though, I did just watch a preview. It was, a fir- I don't even know what movie it was, but it was a Sundance movie. Mm-hmm. And it had Florence Pugh, which is, she's like 23. Mm-hmm. And her, it was like a, a serious movie, but in one of the scenes, she's making out with Alexander Sarsgaard, which, jealous. <laughs> but he's like 42, I would say, maybe 40. She's it's a, 23. It's amazing to think back at all of those movies that came out. And it was the same thing back then. Yeah. It was Drew Barrymore as a 30-year-old. And her leading man is, insert, you know, I'm going to use Richard Gere again, but I don't think they were ever in a movie together. So. But it was always a very you, large age difference between the actor and actress. If you think of Drew Barrymore and Hugh Grant, there's probably like a 15-year difference. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with like age differences, but it's just... It's really reinforcing that whole, the woman should be young, really young and attractive. And the male can, I mean, he's attractive, but he doesn't have to be 30 as well. But I feel like nowadays it's like, no. And sometimes it's swapping, you know. There's that movie with Reese Witherspoon that came out a couple years ago. It was called Home Again. She ends up like having an affair with like a 20 year old or 25 year old or something. Not an affair. They were both single, but you know, like. It's kind of a fair because he's quite younger than her. Ooh. Yeah. Taboo. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we kind of went off on a romantic comedy. It happens. Yeah. Well, it makes sense we should talk about them. We're going to be doing them for the next uh, four weeks. That's true. But Until Valentine's Day. Yeah. So do you think this movie is going to hold up? I think it's going to be, like how you said, some of it, it's not realistic. But I think the fact that it has some really good actors in it and I I remember watching it with you probably 10 years ago or so and not being completely appalled by it. Yeah. So I'm going to say, yes, it's going to hold up. Okay. I think it's also going to hold up mostly just for the fact that it has a decent cast. Mm-hmm. I'm, 
I mean, I honestly can't remember anybody else that's in this movie other than the two leading people, but the two leading people are enough to carry it for me. Mm -hmm. And I think as long as there's nothing too crazy or ridiculous or dated, then it should be fine. I think it will hold up. As I say, I'm thinking about it's 2001. I'm sure I'm going to see some beepers and stuff like that. Yeah, technology-wise, yeah. I, I don't really hold that against movies as much. Like, it's fun just to talk about it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I try not to hold it against it because I'm like, that was just the technology that they had. Like, yeah. cell phones were really, really clunky. But if it's a movie that relies heavily on it, which I don't think we've really picked a movie that's done that quite yet. No, the only one that I feel like there was a lot of reliance on a specific type of technology was when we watched Without a Paddle, and I felt there was a lot of use of an answering machine for a movie that came out in 2004. (laughs) That's true, that's true. I remember that. Where can this movie be streamed? Um, You can stream it on Showtime's app if you have the Showtime subscription. Mm -hmm. And also, if you have it through Amazon, it looks like you can do it through Stars on Amazon and Showtime through Amazon and oh, okay. Fubo oh. and DirecTV. That so old couple, Fubo. There's a couple places you can get it or you can own it on DVD like us. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and hit the pausey pause and go watch this movie and come back and talk about it because that's what we do on this podcast. Yeah. Okay, and we just finished watching The Wedding Planner, and we're going to go ahead and break down our movie with our categories, like we always do. Yes. <laughs> and the first category is called Well, Hello There, where we talk about any cameos of famous or recognizable actors or actresses that we forgot were in the movie. And there's quite a few. Yes, there did, was a lot. Who did you notice? Uh, the first one I noticed right off the bat was Judy Greer, mm-hmm. which I like to call the queen of the best friend in romantic comedies because I would say half of her credits from late 90s to early 2000s were playing some sort of best friend in romantic comedies. I feel like she didn't really get good roles until the last 10 years or so. Yeah, I would say. I mean, she's been consistently working, though. Yes. Yeah. But I feel like now she's... I know she's not one of the stars of Jurassic World, but she's in there and a kind of a supporting role but i think in the descendants she had more of a lead role mm-hmm. with uh, george clooney i don't think we ever saw that though i didn't know yeah but yeah exactly that's what i would actually associate her with is always being the bff and the rom-com yeah i noticed bridget wilson sampras yes uh she played francine donnelly uh which is matthew mcconaughey's fiance right um, the biggest thing I always remember her from is playing Veronica Vaughn in Billy Madison. Billy Madison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't really seen her in anything lately. I actually looked her up, and I don't think she's had an acting credit in the last decade. Wow. Yeah. I wonder what she's doing. I know she's got a couple kids with uh, superstar tennis player Pete Sampras. Oh. Uh, but I don't know. Living life, apparently. Yeah. Living it up. My next one was Justin Chambers. Mm-hmm. He plays Massimo, and he's most notably Dr. Karev from Grey's Anatomy. Yes. And he just left the show. Yeah, I saw that. We I haven't watched it in like five years. I Six, look, maybe longer. I looked it up, and they said he had been on 340 episodes well, I mean, of Grey's Anatomy. He's one of the original mem- people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't blame him for, you know, maybe wanting to go try a different role at that right. point. Um, the next person I noticed was Kathy Najimy. Yes. She played Jerry, who amounted to, basically, she was Jennifer Lopez's boss. Yeah, Mary's boss. Mary's boss. Um, And Kathy Najimy was on Veronica's Closet, and most notably... Hocus Pocus. Mary Sanderson from... And also Hocus Pocus. Sister Act. Yes. She's delightful. Yeah, she is. She had a super small part in this. She really did. I think she was in, like, two scenes. Yeah. Um, The next one, actually, I think still her husband, Dan Finnerty... Did you not know they were married, Kathy and Jimmy and Dan Finnerty? I did not know that. Well, they used to be. I don't know if they're still married. Okay. They've been married for a long time. Or if they are still married. Um, but he's from the Dan Band, which I hope people know yeah. who the Dan Band is. I never knew that he was married to Kathy and Jimmy. Yeah. I'm going to see if they're still married. That's awesome. Um, while you look that up, the next person I noticed was Frances Bay. She played Dottie. 
Yeah. And I think easily the most recognizable role that Frances Bay had was she played Happy Gilmore's grandma. She yes. was on Seinfeld, and she was you know, she's a character actor, but I think that's probably what she's most known for. Yeah, still married. Nice. Since 1995. 1995? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's freaking crazy. You yeah. just blew my mind. I didn't. I thought you knew. I never knew that. <clears throat> I'm just, you know, I got those pockets of wisdom in my head. Yeah. Um, the next one I had was Joanna Gleason, who played Fran's mom, Mrs. Donnelly, and I, she's just been in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I honestly couldn't, like, pinpoint... She's just a very recognizable character actress. Yeah. She's been in a bunch of TV shows, like The Good Wife, and I couldn't even list them all. She had a lot of credits. Yeah. When I first saw her in the movie, I thought it was Mary Steenburgen. She does. From the side, she does look yeah. like her. So I literally typed out her name uh, <laughs> in our, on our little cheat sheet yeah and then i'm like that is not not. mary steenbergen (laughs) Um, the next one i had uh she actually he actually plays um francis yeah mr donnelly plays uh fran's dad it was charles kimborough and easily the most recognizable thing i think everyone would associate him with is he was jim dial on murphy brown right Mm -hmm. and i was blown away to see that he is 83 years old yeah because i when i saw they did that little revival didn't do very well yeah but i was afraid the first trailer i saw of the murphy brown revival i didn't see him and Mm -hmm. i was like did he pass away but he no he's still still yeah. yeah My next one was Fred Willard had a cameo. Yes. As the eccentric, in, ec, I can't say that word. Eccentric? Eccentric dancing instructor. Basil St. Mosby. <laughs> it's one of the great names I've ever heard in film. And he was very over the top, as he you was. would expect Fred Willard to be. He is the definition of a character actor to me, yeah. where he just can go in anywhere be funny or goofy mm-hmm. yeah he's almost uh in a lot of ways like eugene levy yeah but i know obviously eugene's been more of a leading man on schitt's creek and stuff yeah. like that but he's i mean for he, the longest time he yes just for the pop up in movies as some sort of comedic relief yeah and he's just delightful yeah. and fred willard god he's got to be pushing 80 i would say he's getting up there yeah yeah what was your next one? Uh, my last one was Kevin Pollack plays Dr. Donjny. He amounts or to... Or Dr. John, I think. Dr. That's John. That's what Steve called him. Yeah, he amounts to... He's Matthew McConaughey, which is... Uh, I don't think we said his name. Steve Edison. Yes. Uh, it amounts to, like, it's his friend. Yeah, I think he's only in one scene. Literally one scene. I was like, you're really underutilizing Kevin Pollack. They totally underuse Kathy Najami and Kevin Pollack. I don't think they underused Judy Greer, but the other ones, you're like, why? Man. And for anybody that doesn't know Kevin Pollack, I guess most recently, I would say Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm -hmm. He plays Joel. Mr. Maisel. He plays Mr. Maisel, yeah. Yeah, plays Joel's dad. Yeah. And yeah, he's, he's Kevin Pollack. Yeah. Again, if you don't know who he is, probably not the podcast for you. Stop telling people to stop <laughs> listening to our podcast. Uh, you listen if you want. Yeah. Don't tell Ryan, or don't let Ryan tell you what to do. Don't, don't tell Ryan. Don't tell Ryan anything. Apparently he's really sensitive about it. Yeah. I'm very, just kidding. Very sensitive. Um, that was it for me. Yeah, same. We'll move on to our next category. Kids would call it a throwback. We call it the prime of our teens, where we talk about fashion offensive or dated references and that's it (laughs) since we changed it i always i feel like there's a third one and i always screw it up i mean you could throw technology in there with it because it's technology from our teens yeah Yeah. but technology is its own category ryan don't change the system (laughs) that we founded almost a year of this podcast and then switched it up around six months into it we did yeah and we changed it a little yeah yeah for fashion, I think the first thing that I truly notice is the first bride, which unfortunately I don't remember her name, but I remember she was in Deuce Bigelow and she was just a character actress. I want to say she was in like Hot Chick or something as like one of the girls in their group with uh-huh. Anna Fair, but I might be. Oh, maybe she was one of the girls in White Chicks in that group. Could be. I don't know. Yeah. She's one of those girls that looks really familiar. She's probably in a lot of 90s stuff, but mm-hmm. she wasn't, like, super big to where you could name her. But the first thing I noticed about her was her hair. 
Oh, there was some good hair in this movie. Very, uh, it would have followed into almost eighties hair at some point because it was so big. It, but it, it wasn't was like curly nineties because it was like an updo that was really voluminous. And I, I can't lie, if you look at my prom picture from two thousand three, I had an updo. And actually, fun fact, because it's relative to this movie, I styled it after a picture of J Lo at on an award show. Nice. I even took her picture into the. Like, do my hair like J-Lo, damn it. Yeah. At least you, it was J-Lo, and it wasn't somebody who's completely irrelevant at this point. You're like, uh, I, t- I wanted my hair to look like Jessica Simpson. Not that she's completely irrelevant, but People she's can. not as relevant as right. she was. It would be more embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's somebody who's still an A-list actress. Her, that girl's hair definitely looked like it was just an add-on, which I remember those used to be a really big thing, where to add, like, volume to a bun... Yeah, when so you would like go to the mall, hair. they yeah. would have the little kiosk set up. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, I enjoyed all of the pastels that they made J-Lo wear. And McConaughey, for for a good measure, I guess. And khakis. Yes. It looked like a gap ad in there. I was going to say, it's one of those Brian Setzer <laughs> gap ads from the early 2000s. Um, uh. The next thing I noticed was... We talked about the legendary Basil St. Mosby's, and he is wearing a vest that uh-huh. looks like it was made from a leftover bedspread. It It is hideous, but yeah. it, it fits at the same time because he is so over the top, So, but it was just, it was hideous. McConaughey's character Steve was rocking a long leather jacket in a lot of scenes mm-hmm. that was just, just screamed, it should have been on somebody from the Backstreet Boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. We were big fans of black leather in 2001. Yeah. yeah. In khaki. In khaki. Oh, yeah. I was guilty. Yeah. I definitely wore black leather jacket back then. And khakis mainly to work. Yeah. But, yeah. Hmm. The last thing that I had was we mentioned Justin Chambers as Mazimo. He runs into steve and fran and mary and he uh they're up in like napa uh-huh. and he's wearing these weird goggles around his neck i think they they're probably the goggles he wears because he dries a vespa that's true but they don't explain that they like, don't explain it at all he's just wearing them like take off your stupid goggles man i thought it was a fashion choice because i was thinking only like a year before or two years before special k special k and can't right. hardly wait <laughs> yes rocking him yeah i guess it was like three years i think it was 98 or something that's true it's probably three years but uh, that's uh, the same thing i was thinking until later on i realized oh he drives a vespa it makes makes sense sense. tell us that ahead of time yeah it's almost (laughs) like they probably had a scene before where he's pulling up because they also i mean i would count that as a plot hole in the sense that he just shows up at this place yeah how how is he stalking mary a little bit how does he know she's there? Yeah. And she's at work. Don't interrupt her at work. Very true. It's unprofessional. Very unprofessional. Did you have anything else? No, that was it for my uh, fashion. fashion. It was quite a bit. Yeah. Sometimes we don't have anything to talk about. Yeah. We're just like, it, they're wearing clothes and Be- they don't look hideous. Because at the same time, I don't feel like fashion has changed that much in the last 20 years. I guess when you watch some things, you're like, oh, that's... You're an- reminded. Yeah. But this movie, I was a little surprised it did have... Quite a bit. The ones that really freak me out, and I know last week we did Forgetting Sarah Marshall, mm-hmm. is that that movie is 10 years old, mm-hmm. and the, some of the fashion did look dated, and that kind of creeps me out because I feel like it wasn't that long ago. And it was fashion we were guilty of wearing oh, in yeah, a lot of sure. cases. Yeah. Like some her. of this stuff in this movie, like, I mean, I wore a lot of khakis to school. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I wore khaki. It's been mm-hmm. a very long time. I wear it sometimes. Yeah. Rarely. It's been at least six years for me. Re- oh, yeah. Because, you know, yeah. the old retail job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was some of your offensive or dated references? Not offensive, <laughs> but it was. it turns out it's a dated reference, but it's also kind of a timeless reference in a minute uh, and a bit, is that Mary talks about she did Whitney Houston's wedding. Yeah. Which I think about, well, that would have been probably almost 10 years prior. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, Whitney Houston's probably been dead for close to 10 years now. Yeah, that's... 
I mean, it could have been worse if she would have name dropped like vitamin C or somebody that came and went so quickly. Yeah. But you're like, it's Whitney Houston and she's pretty timeless. Exactly. But that doesn't really add up as a plot hole. Like, when did her and Bobby Brown get married? I'm thinking 92, 91. And I'm only guesstimating that Jennifer Lopez's character, Mary, is maybe late 20s. She's. She had only been doing wedding planning. She had worked at her company, she said, for five years. Who's she talking to in that scene? Penny? Or was she talking to the bride? She was. I think she talk- was talking to Penny. Because if she was talking to the bride, then it makes sense because she likes to fib a little just mm-hmm. to get the people down the aisle. Yeah. Because I did look it up. Whitney Houston married Bobby Brown in 1992. She okay. passed away in 2012. Yeah. So she had to have been pretty young and... It doesn't add up with the time, so. No. Mary is a liar. Yeah. She's she a big fat liar face. She did not plan Whitney Houston's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the podcast. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there was a point where Mary stops at a newsstand, picks up a newspaper, and Yahoo Magazine. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. I don't remember. I don't remember that either. Was it a real thing? They showed the magazine, it had the Yahoo print. Uh I don't know why they would make that up unless Yahoo was like, let's just get some subtle advertising in there. Maybe it was launching around Mm. the time of the movie, and they're like, here's a way to kind of get some press for it. We'll put it in this movie. Google that. Yeah. Let's go ahead and Google Yahoo magazine. Doing it. Or Yahoo. Yahoo. It's like, if you just go to Yahoo and Google it. (laughs) I'm looking it up. It looks like Yahoo Magazine was uh, started in 1995, and its closure occurred in July of 2002. So literally a year after this movie. Yeah, but a, so, it was around five years so prior. So maybe to that was a Hail Mary to save the magazine. <laughs> Very like, much so. Let's put it in the movie. Maybe people will be like, Jennifer Lopez reaches Yahoo. <laughs> reaches? Reaches. What is wrong with my mouth? I don't know. It's broken. Uh, whole Regis Philbin. Jennifer Lopez reads Yahoo, so maybe she'll sell other people. It was a Hail Mary. It did not work. It apparently. did not work at all. Oh, uh, the magazine industry dies oh, slowly. Sad. Anyway, what was your next one? Uh, for total offensive joke mary asks steve where he learned to dance and he says uh ballroom class and she responds oh you're gay yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was a really fake laugh it actually kind of sounded real real. (sighs) cringy it's cringy and i don't know i'm sure there's people are like what's the big deal that's that was their time but it's just that's the stuff that dates a movie because you know consciously in your back of your mind whether you agree with it or not mm-hmm. that n- nowhere would somebody say that in a movie. Yeah. With such like it's funny to talk about it, but because you do, we're not actually gay. You are right though. It's something that fits with the time. Yeah. It's messed up. Speaking of that, there was a point where Fran is talking about how she's not great at dancing and she calls herself a retarded string bing. Yes. Which that I didn't even want to say fantastically. That, the R word. Yeah, that's yeah. not not cool. Even no. for that time, I feel like. No. I feel like that that was a definitely a term that maybe one of the first terms I remember where people were like, "Yeah, we're not saying that anymore. Let's say something else." Disabled. Mm-hmm. Whatever one that doesn't sound like an insult. Yeah. Oh, definitely. <clears throat> That I, those were actually the only couple that I really had for the data references and the offensive jokes. Same. Yeah. Our next category is technology. Insert joke here. <laughs> You're supposed to literally insert a joke there. Yeah. I guess we can go with get your Palm Pilot ready and let's talk about some technology. There was a Palm Pilot in the movie. There was. Oh, I missed it. JLo was entering something she had her little stylus and everything which palm pilots are outdated but i mean a galaxy note phone is essentially a palm well, pilot. i mean the technology as far as touchscreen and stuff while much more advanced i guess is kind of this very similar to what the palm pilot was doing so yeah the first thing i noticed was the huge earpiece that uh mary jlo's character wears in the opening scene mm-hmm. it's just 
I don't remember them being so big. I totally, when I was a dispatcher, my first headset looked exactly like that. Jeez. Down to the... Metal. The metal, like, tube for the mouthpiece. Yeah. Nowadays, I guess, would somebody even really wear a Bluetooth headset? I feel like headsets are even outdated looking. Honestly, okay, so if this movie was made today, J-Lo would be wearing AirPods and just using her cell phone. It wouldn't, there wouldn't be a radio, there wouldn't be, mm-hmm. I, I think she'd honestly be using some sort of thing like that. Very true. Just using her cell phone to communicate with her team. Mm-hmm. But I mean, maybe they would have, still have walkies or something. I guess. I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I know like police still use walkies and stuff. I'm just thinking but, yeah. in the sense that you're less likely to worry about, do I have cell service in this area? So Very true. I just talked myself out of my own statement. <laughs> I do that a lot. And you talked me totally into it. I was like, okay, makes sense. I agree. <laughs> I do that a lot too. Yes, you do. What was yours? Next one. Uh, my next one is uh, Mary comes home from the wedding. She makes herself a nice dinner, sits down in front of her huge boxy TV and watches a little antique road show. <laughs> I don't know what they were trying to prove in that scene. Like, Obviously, the first scene sets up the fact that she loves weddings mm-hmm. and she's really good at her job yes. so much that she wants to become a partner at her uh, wedding wedding planning firm. Mm-hmm. And that's all she does. Yeah. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. But then it's like they make this kind of depressing scene where like she goes home to an empty house and makes dinner for herself, sits down and watch Antique Roadshow. Exactly. It was, oh, she cares more about other people's love and she has no love herself. And look at her. She's a nerd. And she I'm like, watches Antique Roadshow. In my head, I'm going, she has a really nice apartment yeah. in San Francisco. That's pricey as shit. Yes. And she's really successful at her job that she can go and ask her boss to be a partner. Mm-hmm. And her boss is like, eh. Maybe. You bring up an excellent point as far as the apartment. Her apartment was very nice. But I will say, it's not like in some romantic comedies where they're like, she's a freelance writer that writes on the weekends and she has a super nice apartment. No, she probably makes a lot of bank on some of those weddings. Very true. Because I remember later on, she told Judy Greer she should take over the wedding for uh, Fran and Steve. And she's like, you can have the commission. And she's like... That's more than I make in a year. Yeah. And that's just for one wedding. Right. So, yeah, no, I get it. What um, was your next one? <clears throat> just uh, in passing. So, Penny invites Dr. Steve to a movie with <laughs> her and Mary because she's trying to set up Mary because she's, she's so lonely. <laughs> and she immediately makes up an excuse that so they're, you know, together. Uh-huh. And she's like, I got to go to my friend's mother-in-law's stepbrother. Like, she just keeps listing things. And then she says, I got to change her fax cartridge. (laughs) What the hell? uh, Oh, God. It was amazing. Earlier in the movie, when... It was kind of right before that, when our superstar damsel in distress gets her foot caught on a manhole cover and McConaughey runs over and saves her, he's wearing a beeper. The beeper never goes off, I don't think. He is a doctor, though. But he's wearing a beeper. Yeah. Nobody's wearing a beeper nowadays. Doctors still might wear beepers. I don't know. Probably just cell phone. I don't know. We should ask a doctor. If you're a doctor and you listen to our podcast, why? Why are you listening? Maybe they like cinema, Ashley. And if you do, just go ahead and comment in the notes and they'll be like, yes, I wear a beeper. Yeah. Let us know. Or, or if you're a nurse and you happen to notice that doctors if, wear beepers. If you're a bookie and you wear a beeper. <laughs> Throw it in the notes as well. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, what was your next one? Um, oh, no, that was your beeper, huh? Yeah, my beeper. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking we were still talking about fax cartridges. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, my next one was just at one point they do this little montage of time where they're still planning the wedding and Fran and Mary are looking at basically cartoon wedding dresses. Uh-huh. Computer simulated wedding dresses on a color iMac. Yes. One of those huge, huge iMacs. Yeah. That we saw in the Between Two Ferns movie. Yes. They had one. So yeah. They're oh man. That was my last one. That was my last one as well. 
Oh, I guess we didn't really have any DVD features. No DVD features, but there was a couple good songs. Okay. Uh, Tell me about them. My personal favorite was a little groovy kind of love by one Philip Collins. Yeah. That's a good jam. Yeah. I do think of New Girl every time. Yes, exactly. I think of the first episode of New Girl. It was like the second episode. Oh, second episode. Sorry. Yeah. This is me. I'm a corrector. It was very early in the season. Yeah, they're at a wedding and they're they do the chicken dance too. Yeah, to a very slow motion chicken dance yeah. to groovy kind of love. And then at the end credits there was a My Love Don't Cost a Thing. Mm-hmm. By Jennifer Lopez. Yes. Cross promotion. Oh yeah, totally. They probably had to pay her a ton of money to use her song <laughs> in her own movie. <laughs> Maybe. Or pay her record company. Or was she just not quite exploded yet? Like, she was on the cusp of exploding for music, so they're like, we'll we'll give you a little bump, and then it exploded, and they're like, oh, we have that song in our movie. Yeah, because she's still... uh, I don't know the last time I heard, like, a new song from her, but I do know she is doing the Super Bowl halftime show in two weeks. that will be interesting. Yeah. I was going to see when her last album was put out. Of course, I probably should look up music because when you just google her a thousand different things come up yeah 2018 maybe looks like 2018 yeah oh so she put out an album last year yeah so cool i guess technically two years ago it's 2020 man i always forget it's 2020 (laughs) damn it okay your math is off that happens do you want to move on to the next category i would love to Our next category is called, Is It Even Good?, where we talk about the plot, plot holes, and our funniest and cringiest moments of the movie. What do you think about the plot? I think it's a tale as old as time. A woman's going to get hit by a dumpster uh, because her shoe's stuck in a manhole cover. She gets tackled by Matthew McConaughey, who does a tuck and roll. (laughs) She required a neck brace, passed out from it, wakes up in a hospital, and of course they fall in love, as one does. Yeah, that was a lot of detail. It was a ton of detail. But I don't... I think when you think of the plot, and I get that she's a wedding planner, and maybe she falls in love with one of the clients that I could, I guess, see happening, but... The way their meet cute was? Yeah. It was a little extra. A lot extra. I, I took the plot as Mary wants to become a partner at her very successful wedding planning business, so she just needs to land a high profile wedding profile wedding events Mm -hmm. but uh uh-oh here comes the issue the problem (laughs) that happens in storytelling and she happens to fall in love with the groom she still gets her her promotion though yeah she does they never that's such a b-plot because they they never say like well she left the wedding and then they ended up not getting married so but she did sign a contract before because there was a scene where she was signing a contract for the partnership yeah but I'm like, she didn't complete that wedding, so they're going to be like, well, that's, that's null and void. <laughs> it doesn't matter because at least she found love. Yeah, I guess if you look at it that way, the, like I kind of view the plot as the falling in love with the characters, not so much that she wanted to be a partner. But but she did. That was the whole thing. And I mean, but she didn't talk about it after 15 minutes out of the movie. Yeah, exactly. They kind of just go into this... Here she is meeting the fiance of the wedding that she specifically said she wanted to do, but she doesn't know. She knew who Fran was, but had no clue who her fiance was. That was my thing. It's supposed to be a high profile wedding. Yes. So you think that you would know what the fiance looked like? Yeah. Fran's on the my, cover of, of Yahoo magazine. Yeah. And you have no clue who <laughs> Which is. is a thing. <laughs> Which, is, as we all know, was a delightful magazine until August of 2002. Uh, no, that was definitely one of my plot holes, mm. was that. <laughs> Mine was actually, my other plot hole was, and it almost a little creepy, but when he does save her, he like lays on her way too long. He really does. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that, but because she even goes, why are you still on me? And he laughs. And I'm yeah. like. That's the cue to say, oh, sorry, let me get up. Yeah. And then he was, like, stroking her head. Yeah. And I'm like, you just met this woman. Yeah, get off of her, you creep. And you're a doctor. I don't think doctors do that. <laughs> just stroke their patient's hair? Yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, a, yeah, maybe Jennifer Lopez's doctors do that to her. 
my last plot hole was there's a scene where Mary gets shit faced with Steve. Yeah. And they go back to her apartment and he's like toasting a marshmallow on her fire fire. But she was so forehead. on her forehead. <laughs> just cooking it right there on JLo's head. But she was so drunk she couldn't walk and he has to carry her inside. And he toasts a marshmallow and he gets up and leaves. And she is stone cold sober at that point. Yeah. But he even went as far as giving her a recipe to cure a hangover. And I'm like, JLo, act drunk. You're not acting drunk anymore. Yeah, the only thing I could say to that is maybe more time had passed where they were sitting on the ground talking mm-hmm. than, obviously, movie time. I but, guess. Eh. Yeah. yeah, but it's a good plot hole. Yeah. That's that's the scene where he comes back to basically give his like speech that maybe they should see where things go. I don't know what he was expecting out of that. Because she was... And what she said, I felt like, was the correct thing to say. I like your fiancé, yeah, and you are just my client, and you need to leave. Even though I know she had feelings for him, obviously, but she was trying to, you know, keep her integrity at her job mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the best to the best of her ability. Did you have any other plot holes? The only one I <clears throat> that kind of bothered me was that her dad just conveniently talks about how he had an arranged marriage, and I feel like, for the most part, that families that do have arranged marriages are pretty open about that fact, and their kids would know that. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, it's usually well known. They don't hide it. I mean, especially in Indian cultures, it's it's ingrained in their culture a lot, but maybe not with Italians. I don't know. Yeah. That's another fun fact, folks. Jennifer Lopez is an Italian in this movie. I, I knew it was something that wasn't like any sort of Hispanic. She was Italian. For some reason, I thought it was Greek before we watched the movie, but then I remembered she's Italian. Yeah. Which, I guess she can pull it off. It's just, there was a lot of probably Italian actresses that you could have got at the time. Agreed. Or, why couldn't you just... Why don't you make make her her Hispanic? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Make her Puerto Rican. Why did you have to go the Italian route? I did read the movie was originally supposed to have Jennifer Love Hewitt and Brendan Fraser. Oh, God. The B-Frage. They dropped out, were replaced by... Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar, they dropped out, and we got J-Lo and McConaughey. I think it worked out. I don't know. I was going to say, in hindsight, who are the most relevant names I just said? (laughs) Other than Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. would have been good, especially for that time frame. Mm -hmm. And they were probably quite a bit younger then. Yeah. So it would have seemed different. I don't think they could have pulled off that Freddie Prince Jr. was a successful pediatrician, mm-hmm. and she was such a successful wedding planner. Yeah. Like, I think it it's more believable that they're in their 30s, but not even that believable, because I don't know a lot of 30-year-old doctors. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. Uh, not that they don't exist. I, I know you guys exist out there, but... What was your funniest line or moment? What was yours? Oh, uh, mine is actually at the very beginning of the movie when it's kind of just a wedding montage and they're kind of just doing a quick overview, but JLo's still talking in it and she's totally running the show. And like you said, they want to show you like how in charge she is when she's running a wedding and she's talking in code like she's a police officer, Yeah, but she's like, the FOB is MIA. And then she's like, oh, I have a, I have the 20 on the FOB, which is father of the bride. Yes. So I was just kind of laughing at like her little lingo she is using. Yeah, it's very serious. Yes. Wedding planning has probably got to be really stressful. Oh, Especially if you're doing somebody of like notoriety. Oh, and how many people out there are bridezillas? Yes. And you have to deal with that. Yes. Not just the day of the wedding, for the months leading up to it. I don't really know. That's one thing about this movie, maybe a plot hole. Are wedding planners so highly regarded that they're almost feared yeah. by the wedding party? Or is it like they're like the bride's little bitch? Because in this movie, they make it seem like she has power over everything and mm-hmm. the bride does every little thing she says. But I feel like there would probably be some brides that would be like, you're basically my assistant. Yeah. yeah. I'm in charge. Yeah. You just do what I tell you. <laughs> every bride's little sounds like that. Absolutely. <laughs> what was your funniest moment? Um, I liked when they were at the dance class and she they're dancing because she just found out that this guy that she had this romantic moment in the park with is her 
client's fiance. Yes. Yeah. Her newest client's fiance. So she is dancing with him at the dance class. And she's like, why did you even come mm-hmm. if you're going to be married? And he's like, Steve likes movies. Steve had the night off. And he just keeps saying it. I just thought it was funny the way he said it. But it was funnier because she's just like, why are you referring yourself in the third person? <laughs> exactly. <sighs> yeah, I get that you like movies, but you can see that she's essentially asking you out on a date. To be fair. To be fair. It was Penny that asked him, so it was two girls. Mm-hmm. So, th- to me, that seems a little safer. But I agree. He put himself in that situation. I think it's weird because I go, obviously, we've been married for a number of years. Mm-hmm. But going back to when we weren't married and we were fiancés, if I called you up and said, I'm going to go to this movie in a park with two women. That I just met. That I, Exactly. Uh, one's the old lady that I just saved who got ran up, was going to get ran over by a dumpster. I'm pretty sure you're going to have a lot of questions for me. Yes. Yeah. Very, As very you true. should. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what was your cringiest moment? My cringiest moment was when Steve and Massimo were talking and Steve asked him how long he's known Mary. And he says way before she had the breasts. Yes. But you have to picture uh, Justin Chambers talking with an Italian accent, and he's, it's a very thick Italian accent where it almost comes across like he has a poor concept, and it's a word I'm looking for. Not poor concept, but he has... Like an understanding? Yeah, poor understanding of the English language, I guess. Well, he kind of does. He's great. from Italy. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how many times they don't have to tell you. Yes. But yeah, so he comes, when he says it, he's like, way before she has the breasts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that kind of sounds like Borat. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, mine was when Steve and Mary are at the park and she's telling him. I think she might have been telling the story of why she became a wedding planner or something. And he's like, C-O-O-L. <laughs> that was so dumb. <laughs> when he said it, I was just like, did did McConaughey ablib that? Because <laughs> I could totally see if you told him something that he thought was cool, McConaughey would look at you and like, that's C-O-O-L, brother. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, and when he made that weird horse sound. Yes. Um, um, did you have that part somewhere? Uh, when Mary tells Fran and Steve that they would be the first people to get married at this park that they were touring. And Mary, or sorry, Fran thinks it's kind of cool. And then Steve just makes this noise where it kind of sounds like he goes like, Hurr. <laughs> It was the most random noise. It was. was. And they don't acknowledge it. Nope. That's just him. That's just McConaughey, folks. Making weird noises. God. Um, I I did have some additional notes. Oh, so did I. The first one, I I guess it's just like an on the overall concept of the movie. I think this is one of the rare ones in a romantic comedy where the girlfriend slash fiance isn't a total nightmare. Yes. She was, there was only one time where she like yelled at her mom, but her mom was kind of annoying, but she was likable. She was very likable. You know, in a lot of romantic comedies, it's a trope where whoever they're dating, whoever the girl or guy are dating is like this atrocious person. I kind of think of how Ed Helms is in The Hangover. Mm-hmm. And the first one at the beginning, he's His... with Rachel Harris and she's a nightmare. And she's yeah. like, make sure you pack your Rogaine. And she doesn't want to kiss him when he's going to leave. So then you're happy he cheats on her and it's, gets it's kind with of a, Heather Graham. a way of kind of lazily rooting against them, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in this, you're like going, I feel like they want me to root against this person who's perfectly nice She's not a bad person at all. If anything, Steve's the bad guy. Oh, for sure. I'm not rooting for Steve to get with Mary. He's not a good person. Yeah. I don't know. This movie's strange. <laughs> it's not strange. This is just what a romantic comedy is. Yeah. It's a perfect example of a romantic com- comedy. I cannot talk. I'm no. so sorry, guys. Uh, one of my additional notes, which kind of just goes with poor editing, is... Mary, Steve, and Fran are driving up to Napa, 
and the scenes that are showing out the windows because obviously the parts of it were probably done in a film studio but as you pointed out you could tell some of it was probably filmed on an actual road it went from being in a forest to at one point you can see a golf hole and it looks like they're driving down a fairway to a desert to napa that's in the matter of about a minute and a half it's really crappy maybe steve just drives really fast he does he does drive lincoln's as we all know <laughs> although in this one he's driving a range rover that's true and that was just weird it was weird very weird I felt like the movie became self-aware when Steve was talking to his friend John on the golf course that Mm -hmm. they actually were on. And he was like, one night of a movie and dancing is not going to sweep away years of a relationship with Fran. And I'm like, yes, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. You've been with this woman since college. But it's going to. (laughs) Here here you go. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, What was your next one? That was it for my... Uh, additional notes did you have some more um i remember watching this movie and thinking steve's like little admission we kind of talked about it earlier at the door after mary was kind of drunk and he comes back and he tells her i don't know your dad's name and i don't know this i I feel like it was like the opposite of like harry's speech in harry met sally Uh where it's like he's listing all these things he knows about her because they're best friends Mm -hmm. and i'm like is this supposed to be romantic? I think when I was 14, I thought it was romantic. Yes. And this one, I was like, yeah, you're just listing all the reasons why you guys shouldn't give in to these just, like, physical feelings. Yeah. Because you know nothing about each other. Exactly. And you're going to explode a relationship of how many years? And throw away my, my fiancé for yeah. you. Uh, are you ready to move on to our final thoughts? Yes. Okay. As always on our podcast, it is award season, and it's still award season in real life. We give out two awards every week, the first of which is a valedictorian to the Nicolas Cage Online School of Bad Acting. Who did you give your award to? I gave mine to Justin Chambers, Mm -hmm. who played Massimo. Mm -hmm. I feel like most of the cast was pretty strong. I didn't have any complaints about really anybody, but I felt like his his character was too much like a cartoon, Mm -hmm. and his... Especially in the first half of the movie, his parts were pretty cheesy. Yes. And he was very cartoonish and kind of just there. Mm-hmm. And didn't seem to fit for me. Mm-hmm. But then in the second half, uh, when he like had like a heart-to-heart with uh, Mary mm-hmm. over some mac and cheese, he actually you know seemed genuine. And then when he proposes to her, I thought that, honestly, I would have said yes too because it was very cute. No, she did not say yes. She said, okay. <laughs> And she spelled it out with Scrabble tiles. Yes, but... It was very cute. And what he said was so heartfelt because her dad even had a speech before about how, yeah, I mean, arranged marriages seem weird Mm -hmm. to some, but you can grow to love a person and and stuff like that. But So he kind of mirrored that. Mm -hmm. But it's just his character overall was just too cheesy and his accent. And he's from Ohio. That damn straight. OH, baby. (laughs) Um, So it's just... It's anytime somebody has a cartoonish accent, it's it's a no for me. Okay. Uh, I gave mine to Academy Award winner Matthew McConaughey <laughs> because he was incredibly unlikable in this movie. Who wrote this in the sense they thought we would root for him to get with our leading lady? He's trying to hook up with marry when he has a perfectly nice fiance that he's been with for years down to he crushes her on their wedding day and dumps her which is right at the end of the movie folks that's what you wanted to leave us with and again they were supposed to be rooting for this and i at no point went boy i hope he gets with mary i i will say when i was a kid i liked this movie because i felt like that last scene where he's talking to fran and he's like do you really love me and I thought, I was like, okay, here's one where he didn't necessarily dump her. They had a conversation, and she didn't really want to get married either. But I kind of watched it now with, like, older people eyes, where I felt like he was almost manipulating it a little bit to where he's like, you don't want to marry me. At the beginning of the scene, she's, you can tell, ready to have a breakdown, and she's looking on in terror at the idea that her life is going to fall apart. She's like, why are you doing this to me? And then he, like you said, totally manipulates the situation 
and exactly like, well, come on, we're not right for each other. Yeah. Oh, you're right. And I should go to Tahiti right now. Yeah. And I felt like, I was like, yeah, she's cool with it. And when I was a kid, I was like, that's cool. But guess what? Who's not going to be cool with it when she finds out that he immediately went and hooked up with the wedding planner. Yeah. She's going to be pissed. And she's going to go, how long has this been going on? And I'm going to cut you. (laughs) (laughs) And she deserves it. Exactly. Now we'll move on to the Thomas J. Hanks Award for Exceptional Acting. Who did you give your award to? Ohio's own Justin Chambers. Aww. If I felt you like noticed, you were kind of giving me a weird look when I was talking about it. I was going to say, when you were talking about it, I was very quiet and I just went, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. I 100% agree. His Italian accent, the first half of the movie, is very over the top. But then you also said he gives a very, very nice proposal to Jennifer Lopez, mm-hmm. or to Mary, and... I honestly, I hope maybe in somewhere in this universe, he ends up with Fran because they are the two nicest people in this movie. He is a sweetheart of a guy. I think if I didn't know Justin Chambers as Alex Karev, I wouldn't have thought that he wasn't an Italian guy. He's not uh, our friend Jamie Doran in Fifty Shades (laughs) of Grey, where his Irish accent comes out multiple times. He sounded Italian and... Exactly. The second half of the movie, he's a very likable and loving character that you kind of root for. And you're happy that Mary's going to end up with him. I almost, after that proposal, I was like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Marry him. He is going to be there for you. He's going to love you. You don't have to worry about him having a romantic moment with a woman in a park and, like, throwing a wrench in your relationship because of it. Yeah. I gave mine to Jennifer Lopez. Okay. I don't know if that's so much a shocker. Stunning. (laughs) But I thought she was, uh, like, her part was delightful. And I don't think, out of all the characters, I think she was, out of, like, Matt Conaghy and her, Mm -hmm. I felt like she was trying to keep her distance quite a bit. Like, I had mentioned when he did try to profess some feelings for her, she was just like, you need to leave. Yes. She was fighting it. And she, even when Fran comes to her and expresses some doubt about getting married... She tries to put her at ease. Yeah. And, I mean, she yeah. reads the speech from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. But, but still, she's... That's part of her job. She's trying to keep things right. She's not putting her feelings ahead of this Yeah, because she could have easily been like, yeah, you know, if you... But she could, you could almost see, like, she could be motivated by money, too. Very true. But I, I, I get what you're saying. I also thought when... She was drunk in that scene where they're trying to get into the apartment. I thought she was pretty funny. She was. She was. She made me She was up. easily my second favorite part. I I thought just, honestly, the second half of the movie swung me towards Justin Chambers. I get it. Yeah. Do you want to move on to our final thoughts of, does this movie hold up to our adult standards? What do you say? I don't think it did. I was a l- very disappointed in the sense of how unlikable Steve is. Down to one of your last memories of him is basically manipulating the situation with his fiance yeah. on their wedding day. And I really think if you wanted us to root for Steve and uh, Mary to get together, you needed to make Fran an unlikable bride. And she wasn't. She seems like a perfectly nice person. Yeah. She was never bitchy to anybody in the movie. So why were you making it where I don't like your leading man and not the second female lead? Yeah. It no, makes I no agree. sense. I agree. Um, I, I wanted this movie to hold up because mm-hmm. I, I do enjoy it and I watched it many a times in my life. But I, I agree that it doesn't hold up with the whole scenario and him kind of making excuses that yeah. he just went to the movies because he likes movies and... I mean, like, you could have guessed. The way Penny, or Judy Greer's character, was acting in the office, you could totally tell she was trying to set him up with Jennifer Lopez. So, And he's got to be a, an idiot to not realize that's what she was trying to do. Well, he is and, an idiot. And he still went along with it. Yeah. And I guess it's like, yeah, I think now coming from a place of, like, I've been in a relationship for a really long time, I kind of know what it takes to keep a relationship good. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to think so. Sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah, you just don't do that. It kind of, I felt like it went against everything that rom- rom-coms ever taught me. 
which yeah. is that I'm supposed to be rooting for these two people to mm-hmm. get together. And I was rooting for Fran and Massimo to get together because they're good people. Justice for Massimo. Yeah. I really wasn't rooting for Steve at any point during this movie. I honestly had that moment the minute that the scene for the proposal was over. I was just like, he what he said compared to what Steve said to in his little love profession mm-hmm. did not equal. Ma- Masmosis was way better. Yeah. It was that was the most touching part of the movie is his proposal and yeah. then the guy gets crapped on at the end. He does. And then he's such a good person, he drives Steve to the park so he can go profess his love for fucking Mary. Yeah. That tells you I think you need to take back your crapping on Justin Chambers, by the way. He's <laughs> delightful in this movie. I said he was in the second half. He was. They do that. I feel like I notice it more in movies where it's almost like they go like a completely different direction with the character. Yeah. Like halfway through the writing, but they don't want to like change the first half because it's like, eh. Yeah, because the first half of the movie, he was very over the top. And he was kind of aggressive with her. Yeah. Like he would just show up. He just assumed they were engaged before she even said yes. Yeah. So it's just. It's very weird. But at the same time, he does make up for it. Yes. So he is definitely the character in the movie, I will agree, that deserves the most. And he didn't get it. So there you guys have it. We were wrong. Yeah. This movie did not hold up. And also, Matthew McConaughey, terrible person. Aw. Write it down. No, we love McConaughey in this house. He's a good guy. It's, I still watch it, though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a short list, but there's definitely a lot of movies where I'm like, yeah, it doesn't hold up at all, but somehow I'll, I'll still find myself watching it if, if it's on something gone in 60 seconds love that movie Uh, love me some low flying helicopter so thanks for listening once again guys and we'll be back next week with another romantic comedy yeah uh, to celebrate valentine's day um in the meantime you can hit us up on our social media over at roc movie podcast on twitter and instagram at ruining our childhood and on facebook at ruining our childhood yeah So we'll see you guys next week. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.